This is part two of a two-part podcast. Hi, my name is Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash paulwheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash paulwheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. The thing is, is what we're talking about is it being Gilligan proof. So when right. these people show up and we're in, and it's like and, and they're lovely, industrious people, but they're going to light it for the first time and they insist on not having any help or guidance or anything like that. The Gilligan proof systems will be the most forgiving for, for whatever comedy they're bringing to this situation. Absolutely. And so, um, and that's kind of what we're shooting for here: how to make it more Gilligan proof, how, how to make it so it never smokes back. Right. And um, uh, even if they're doing like they don't even they choose to not prime the riser, which is a, a critically important component of a rocket missile. You have to prime the riser. Uh, and not if it's Gilligan proof. And so this one out here, you don't need to prime the riser. Right. Right. And so it's like. Like it's amazingly forgiving that way. Yes. Um, and so it's kind of like we need more like that. Yes. And and yes. it's like all right. So this is part of what we're doing here. This is a, a certain level of quality that we need. And that was a requirement. Yes. And so to get that, despite it being a four-inch system, ceramic fiber core, vertical exhaust kissing the barrel, um, and we're going to do a pebble-style bench that goes into the bed. And by the way, we got a renter coming in on one. Er, and, and at the time you started, it's like renter coming in a little more than a week. Yeah. And they're going to rent it for a month, and they expect there to be a rocket mass heater in here. Should we take this on? And we thought, and in the end, we we you said who was in charge of it. You said I can do that. I will do that. And <laughs> we're all, we're almost there. But yeah, we're yeah. getting more into that, but. We're low on time. I've got a lot more things to talk about. Are you watching the clock? Because we got to... There's okay. All right. Uh, You're watching the airports. <clears throat> yeah, because yes. airport stuff. Yep. Okay. Currently, the barrel says Valvoline. I mean, the paint has obviously been burned off, and yet it still says because it's a this is a 120 pound grease can. This is not a full 55 gallon barrel because yes. it's a four inch system. We everything is skinnier. Yes. All right. Um, it says Valvoline. How the fuck did that happen? Somebody used really good primer. Uh, we, had, we we burned those things off uh, four times. We burned those barrels off four times. Got them really hot, and uh, and when we scrubbed them with a wire brush and diesel fuel after having uh, taken uh, after having burned them off, there's still the place where the yellow paint was <laughs> is is still got the. The the, the 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 logo on it just barely you can see as the ghost of it now you've got a, a, a technique I've not seen before for barrel prep and what we, what we mean by barrel prep is is we're going to subject the barrel outdoors to a very high temperature to burn off all the paint yes because it is unacceptable to burn off that paint inside um, uh, in, well inside that doesn't hurt me yet I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah, yeah as he twitches like a fish um, <clears throat> a fish out of water All right. some people just throw it on a bonfire okay and just burn that paint off with a, with a bonfire that's a lot of paint fumes 
and um, it just goes up in the atmosphere, and that's not okay. That's not okay. Not okay. Ernie Nerica's technique is to wrap it up with uh, a lot of uh, newspaper and clay slip, and it just takes forever. It does take a while, but I do think that what we see is the barrel underneath the paper becomes cherry red. Yeah. And I th- and I think the results have been really solid. In this particular case, um, I mean, I'm not sure. Does do you know? You, do you know if the barrel's getting cherry red with the your barrel technique? Barrel's getting cherry cherry red. Okay. And right. um, there's uh, so w- what we're doing is um, uh, what Ernie and Eric are doing, and what we're also doing is is building a pocket rocket. Uh, so a making turning that barrel into a temporary uh, wood stove that uh, that glows cherry red to burn paint off of it, and um, uh, I found that uh, I can use less wood and also burn up all those paint fumes if I simply put my barrel inside of a bigger barrel that is the pocket rocket. Yeah, and um, and that works really well. But we didn't have a bigger barrel to do that with here with a pocket rocket setup, so we put it in a bigger barrel and filled sand in around it and the sand absorbed the paint very nicely there was just there you couldn't even get whiffs whiffs of the paint fumes which you can sometimes with Eric and Ernie's system it was it was nice at absorbing the paint um, uh, as it flaked off uh, I think what we're going to do is we're going to end up, um, once it gets hot again, getting uh, like some paper towels and some coconut oil, and then we'll basically treat it like a cast iron skillet, yeah. and we'll blacken it that way. Yeah. Um, we've done that with a lot of barrels in the past uh, to get them nice and black. I think it's also good in general to do that a little bit at least, because some of the barrels will start to rust a yeah. little bit. Yeah. And, and I have never heard of a barrel on a rocket mass heater rusting through. Like, nope. after decades of use, yep. they still do great. But the, the just the rust that, that can sometimes appear is unsightly. The four-inch that I built in a school bus six years ago uh-huh. takes has condensate. You have to, have to drain in the bottom of it because it takes so much of the heat out of the system that it that the water from the wood you're using and uh, dried wood is 10% water by weight right. and uh, and that water doesn't get all the way out the chimney because the heat stays too much in the system so we had to put a drain at the bottom of it right. that'll rust so we got to watch for that okay uh, yeah on all of our systems yeah. we need to watch for that okay uh, next up a one and a half inch gap next to the bed and the bedding. So we, we want to make sure that the the air that passes off of the mass, so there's going to be air moving through the mass, and then it reaches basically where the bed is going to be. And um, we've had we had a long chat, and in the end, the the executive decision is is to allow for a one and a half inch gap. So basically, we're going to get some two by fours, which are technically one and a half inches uh, thick, yeah. and put them up along the wall with one inch gaps between each two by four on the side so that'll allow the uh the air to continue to move up um without the bedding plugging it 
and stuff like that. Right. There there have been cob benches, uh, cob uh, benches where the um, uh, everything was fine until you lifted the pillow up that was that was sitting on the bench, and the bottom of the pillow bursts into flame when it suddenly has oxygen. So there's a lot of heat buildup there that you may not notice until it's too late. So having a space underneath the pebble bench and a space between the wall and the pebble bench where it can get warm if it get if it gets warm it draws air up from underneath to cool the bottom and the side and we wanted something to continue up above the bed so that when when your pillow drops between the bed and the wall it can't drop between the bed and the wall so it doesn't clog everything up we want the air to circulate naturally completely above the, uh, above the bench and between the bench and the mattress below the bench to the side of the bench all the way up a little bit where your pillow would be we don't want anything in there to impede the circulation so last night we did a one hour burn then the system cooled down and we did another one hour burn yes and then um, the manifold is going to be uh, the place where the the gases are collected from the bottom part of the barrels. There's two barrels involved in this, <clears throat> and is about to enter into the pebble mass. So this is the hottest point. This is the most extreme temperature that's going into the bench. And um, for an eight-inch system, it should temp- that temperature should never reach 300 degrees. What was the temperature that you measured in the manifold uh, last night? 120 degrees. So if we did, an, an, like, let's say it's 40 below outside, and, man, we are putting kindling into this thing, and we're going to do a four-hour-long burn, what do you predict the highest temperature of the manifold is going to be with that very long four-hour burn burning a lot of kindling? I'm really hoping it stays below 300 degrees because that's awful close to wood. It uh, is close to this wood. Is, this there is one is, of my there, concerns. There are buffers, and it is yes. a good thing to be con- concerned about. But you're you're thinking because an eight-inch system, eight rarely do we see it touching 300 degrees. This is a four-inch system, so it's, it cannot possibly burn more than one quarter of the wood at any given time. No, but we also have a much smaller surface area radiating heat before it goes in there, and smaller tubes. So we might get True. a buildup of heat. We might. But we still have a full 48-inch yes. riser, which yes. means it's still got that full length to come down until right. it gets to the manifold. Right. right. So so I'm <clears throat> hoping, but see, hope doesn't stop fires. Oh, no, no, no. So, we need to so, test. So we, we need to do... So the, I'm going to yeah. I'm going to counter your concern, because I'm concerned yeah. as well. we got to measure it. I'm going to think that the highest temperature we're going to see is 160. And and you're nodding. So people can't see you nod. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. Let's. Okay. We'll go right. with 160. I'm thinking like at that four-hour burn of kindling, kindling, kindling. Um. To you know, which I don't think we'll ever burn it that long. And we'll you know, we'll never need to do that kind of a thing. Even if it is 40 below out there, it'll be plenty warm without that. Well, and we had the wall at 160 after a half an hour uh, behind the behind the uh, the barrel. Right. But that's up at the barrel. Right. And and, 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 and the top of the barrel is going to get yeah. to be. We, we might see a pinch of red at the top of that barrel yes. someday. Yes. But we need a heat shield that needs to go in. Absolutely. Yes. But now I'm talking about the manifold. The and manifold the bench. goes into the bench. Uh, mm-hmm. Hopefully we're staying uh, in the 150s 
Because there's because where the manifold enters the bench, it's metal and then pebbles, and it's it's got a ways to go in order to be able to heat. In fact, if if we're talking about radiant heat coming off of the duct inside the bench, zero radiant heat touches any wood. Right, right, and the pebbles. So the 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 pipe itself. Um, was 120 degrees, top and bottom, mm-hmm. and but the pebbles underneath it that weren't quite touching it yet because I left an airspace that I wanted to see what was happening. The pebbles underneath it were still cold. Yeah. So I'm I'm really curious to see. We, so we've got at the mm-hmm. bottom we've got pebbles being held by uh, hardware cloth so that the air can come through and and if it gets hot, it'll give off some of that heat. And into the air around the pebbles, and it will gently rise up through the system. That's what we're that's what we're expecting, uh, and that's a uh, and 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 so so an inch of pebbles uh, will hopefully keep the wood underneath it that's holding it up off the floor from getting warm. That's what we'd like to see. Right. I I suspect that that is exactly what we'll see. I mean, the way that it's designed is that air will be constantly moving through the pebbles. Let's talk a moment about the pebbles. Yes. Is it just pebbles? So we have pebbles, uh, like pea gravel. So it's called pea gravel because it's the size of a pea, um, not because anybody peed in it. That would, that would be nasty. Um, the, uh, now you're just putting ideas in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My, my three-year-old daughter started crying one time when I told her we were having chicken pea soup because she, she thought that, that, we were, that chickens, chickens were peeing in our soup. That Adults eat the weirdest shit. We just eat the weirdest stuff, yeah. They, so uh, we have pea gravel. And um, one of the things that we're going to be able to witness here is whether, uh, for the air movement we're talking about, we should have washed the pea gravel first because there's some fines in there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, uh, the fines give us more mass, but they also Im- clog those pores. So we're going to find that out. So we have pea gravel uh, and uh, as a kind of a buffer between our pipes and the wood below them and the airspace below them. Yeah. And then we have, between the pipes, and around the pipes, uh, but not touching the wooden walls of anything. We have big chunks of this rock, this square, dense, dense rock you've got here. What is this stuff? What kind of rock is this? I call it rock. Rock, yes. It's it's not stone. It's not stone. It's rock. It's rock. If you try to shape it like you would shape a stone, like you go out of the... It shatters into gravel. Yes. Well, it's it's nice sharp gravel if you want to walk on it. It's just so much fun, yes. (laughs) But it's really nice to have these blocks, these squarish blocks that you can, like, stack in things and, and, uh, and set against your pipe to absorb that heat. And then you pour pea gravel in and around and on top and, and to the sides of that to be that insulative slow mess. I mean, I showed one of the people who was helping me who was like, why are we doing these two different things? And we had two buckets, a bucket of rock and a bucket of pea gravel sitting in the hot sun here when it was a 90-something degrees that day. And, uh, and then we brought them in and half an hour later, we're actually putting them in. And I handed him a piece of this big rock, this rock and a handful of pea gravel. Yeah. And the rock was hot. The yeah. rock was still hot a half an hour later from being in the sun. And the pea gravel was like, it was... Yeah, room temperature. Room temperature, yes. Yeah, and so, 
the upper pea gravel insulated the lower pea gravel from the sun. Right. Yeah. But this is what we want, is yeah. we want this combination of insulative effect and a little bit of heat storage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got an insulative effect of a type. It's going to insulate against radiant heat right. and conductive heat. But radiant heat is what gets the floor warm enough to catch on fire underneath and when in a cob bench, which is... So in the so middle, where we've got these rocks that are safe from igniting anything, then they touch the duct. Yes. And then through conductive heat, the most efficient form of heat, they will conduct heat into those big rocks, which will then hold that heat for... I'm going to say, I'm going to use the word days, but we've got a buffet of rocks. We've got big rocks in there, and we've got rocks that are kind of like, you know, baseball size. Yeah, and yep. and then there's the pea gravel. And the pea gravel allows air to pass through while simultaneously being um, insulative against certain types of heat. And, in fact, this is how we get a rocket mass heater to heat your home with one-tenth the wood is we are being conscious of the three types of heat in our yeah, designs, yeah. whereas uh, the old, the, the conventional wood stoves are trying to optimize based upon, like, okay, we got a box, <laughs> and it's got a tube going up to the roof, okay? And then there's, like, air that gets into the box, and that's and then there's the wood that's inside that's burning. And it's kind of like we're doing much more. I've got a pea gravel bench in a greenhouse that uh, at a farm that had a school at it for kids, and the the seedlings loved that bench because it was an even temperature all the way across, and you could leave the seedlings on there, and they wouldn't get burned, and they wouldn't freeze. Even when the rest of the room got below freezing, mm -hmm. it was still warm there. There's a yeah. bubble of air, of warmness there. Yeah. And you could water it without ruining it like you would a cob bench. Yeah. But the kids also loved it because they'd sit on that bench and they'd dig their feet into that warm pea gravel. And that's, that just is a sexy experience. Uh, we have about four inches of rocks over the ducts. And then, of course, rocks between the ducts. And so it's, it's a loop of duct. Right. It goes through the bench. Right. It just goes down to the end, does a U-turn, and comes back. And I'll be curious to see how well this is still not freezing in the morning because we have a small but not very well insulated building. Mm -hmm. um, there's places where we couldn't get underneath there to fix the insulation mm -hmm. because it's too tight, but I can see daylight through the cracks in the floor. Yeah. That's a problem, but what we want to see is does this thermal mass keep us through the night well enough and it's not much thermal mass compared to say what you'd put with an eight inch or i mean because you've built you've built pig gravel benches much bigger than this much more oh, massive yeah. than this yeah. this is a relatively small amount of mass uh and you don't want a big mass if you've got a suspended floor if it's not supported directly so this is cool what's gonna this is great we're gonna see what this does and then part of the design ends up being that there's a little bit of bench for people to sit on and warm their butts um, at, before it all goes underneath the bed. All right. Um, there is an interesting thing with the wood feed. So that's all the stuff about the bench. But for the wood feed, um, here we've got this 4x4 this four four square, roughly, and uh, this where the wood goes in. And, at the, and before you start each burn, you want to reach in there. And I usually use a little piece of cardboard to kind of scoop out 
ash. You don't want to scoop out all the ash. You just kind of want to scoop out more than half. Yeah, you, you don't want it being pushed back and back and back until you can't reach it. And then there's that. Yeah. Um, but uh, but but usually with every burn, I just grab like a little a little scooper of yeah. ash and put it in the ash bucket, and then I start the fire. Um, but of course, periodically you want to get the ash that's a little further back, yeah. and then I usually use one of the. We've got a special ash vac for that, and we. So, but the thing is, is that, and we tested this as you were building it. Um, you know, I'm a giant, so it's like let's stick the giant guy's arm in. There. Paul can get his bear paw in there. Yeah. Yeah, and I could. Yes. I could. It was tight, but I could. I'm going to bring my arm out, and it's going to be, after being used for a while, there might be some uh, smudging on my smudging, arm. Yes, yes. But then you added a feature, which I kind of feel like, okay, we're doing an experiment. There's going to be some challenges. And you thought of something that I had not thought of, and that is that the top half of the wood feed pops out as a contiguous piece it's, yeah so we have we have a six to 17 inch deep wood feed and the bottom nine eight inches of it is the uh, uh, is the the burn chamber and and then sitting on top of the burn chamber is a, um, a uh, is uh, six fire brick six full-size fire brick that have been uh, carved to lock together and then held together with a with a, with a big hose clamp um, to uh, two big hose clamps it's, so it's all one piece so that uh, we can pull it off if we need to get in there to fix or or, or, or clean something uh, we'll see if that's at all helpful it certainly was easier to design than than trying to get uh, pieces of uh, of fire brick to interlock and go up without having you know normally I get to wrap the whole thing in cob uh, or or something to to have this have the the have uh, pressure hold everything together mm-hmm. and um, uh, and and it's harder to do that with a uh, a burn ch- uh, with a feed tube um, that isn't supported from the outside so we tried this thing I am curious to see whether when that heats up because of the mass of those dense fire bricks I'm curious to see whether that creates a a uh, competing chimney when it heats up or whether it is fine. Um, I think with a ceramic fiber riser, there's no competition. We'll see. Yeah, we'll we, see. Yeah. But, but yeah, we will see. I mean, we've got to do a lot of experimenting with this, but, yes. the, but the two sample burns so far seem to be pretty good. When we did the first burn, I was there. Yes. And um, uh, we, you, I think, I didn't see any smoke back, but you said you thought you saw some. But, we, but you did not prime the riser. What the hell were you thinking not priming the riser? I was thinking we're dealing with Gilligan's, and if I have to prime the riser, then I didn't do it right. The thing is, is that you didn't prime the riser, and the amount of smoke back we got was tiny. Tiny, tiny, yeah. And, that's what we wanted. And it's like uh, so the system was not primed in any way. <clears throat> And it was warm out. And then I started to heat the... the, But then the next thing was is that where the two barrels meet, because we didn't have a gasket that would fit that, and I ordered that up, and it'll be here in like a week or something. I wrapped some of this expensive silicon tape around there. Oh, you did? Okay. All right. So it's working very much more nice. So at that one point, there was smoke coming out the side of the barrel. And so then I went and I took the propane torch and I kind of heated the vertical exhaust. Yep. And then it didn't take long 
long, maybe a minute, and then the whole system went pressure negative. Right, and, and so it, just, it sucked in a good in a good way. <laughs> and in which case, there's no smoke coming out anywhere, right. Right. Because if there's any leaks, it's it's air from the room going into the system. Right. So, um, which is a big benefit of when you get the vertical exhaust to kiss the barrel, which is right. a big thing that we shot for. for. Yeah, in the, the in the um, the season extender, the greenhouse rocket that we built three years ago, mm-hmm. uh, we actually had ran the the final exhaust through the barrel chamber um, uh, to heat it because we were dealing with a seven barrel cold plug uh, that could possibly be 10 degrees. The stratification chamber, our biggest stratification chamber, which by the way, when we talked about the design of the system, we said a stratification chamber would be better than laying duct out, Yes, but it would take longer to build and we are short on time. (laughs) And so this one has, because we have the duct, we didn't, in order to make a stratification chamber, we'd have to design it and build it, which would, you know, probably is going to be something like we're going to take a bunch of 55 gallon drums and we're going to cut them in half and we're going to lay them in there and that'll be the stratification chamber. We'll weld them together to make sure there's a good seal, things of that nature. And it's kind of like, we just don't have time. We, We did that. And the seasoning center, it's seven. Right. It's seven barrels, all welded together. All welded together, and right. um, and that's actually too much, but it still worked. Yeah. But Peter said maybe seven barrels, and then he then we saw that he said, that's insane. <laughs> I said, but that was what you said, and he said. I wasn't paying attention when you were talking to me, <laughs> so I was really kind of glad it worked. But having that, having having that extra blast of heat going into your exhaust, to have your exhaust sucking on your cold plug, even if your cold plug is just four-inch tubes, yeah. is really a, a useful thing to getting it started. Tell us about the riser. So the riser is uh, somebody else did this before me, and I found out later when I was so proud of myself that somebody else had done it. And they call it the five-minute riser. That's a great that's a great name for it because you take a uh, four or five or six-inch piece of stovepipe longer than your riser is going to be, and you wrap uh, ceramic wool around it until you get slightly bigger than you want the outside of your riser to be. And and uh, so you use the out, a 6-inch or an 8-inch piece of stovepipe for the outside of the riser, and you, then you pop that uh, stovepipe, compress it around your uh, ceramic wool, uh, so that ceramic wool is kind of stuck as inside of that and then you slide the um uh you slide your your pipe out of the middle of it because uh, that was just the form and now you're left with a compressed ceramic fiber uh, uh, uh core of a uh, sorry uh, uh riser um that works quite well and um it doesn't uh, i don't think it it's got a little bit of fuzziness to it so it doesn't work quite as well as the cast ceramic oh yeah uh, but those are also a couple hundred bucks a piece and this was uh 15 dollars uh well with the add the stovepipe a uh, 48 inch this would be 35 dollar this yeah. is a 35 dollar riser but um and it's and it's very quick so uh i've never built one this tall I usually go with like a two foot, and that's enough for the little cottage rockets that we built and the little workshop rockets. Yeah. Um, but we wanted 48 inches here, so we got 48 inches. That's a lot of that's a lot of uh, of friction. So uh, I'll be curious to see how well that goes. But the cool thing is, if if we don't like it, we 
pop the top off, take it out. We could put in one of those uh, one of those six inch ceramic risers right in there would fit and and then and we're so we have choices uh and this is a test this is what we're going to see if this works well so I think one of the ways to test it to see how it's working is like how clean uh is the stuff coming out of the roof and it looks yes. it looked really clean to me um i mean it 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 looked like it was uh clean for I mean, with the very first beginning of the burns, I saw a little bit of smoke, just a yep. tiny bit. But then later, it was crystal clear. And that's that's the big test for the riser. That's the riser's job. Yes. yes. Yeah. All right. Um, the burn tunnel. How did you make that? So the cottage rockets that we build, uh, that, that uh, the Uncle Mud Group builds and teaches people how to build, uh, is designed to fit inside of it's, it's designed to fit inside of a 35 or 50 gallon drum. Um, the whole thing, the mass, the J tube, everything, and the core is a uh, is a bunch of uh, Lit fire brick, one one and a quarter inch by nine inch by four and a half inch fire brick, uh, because you can buy those anywhere. And if something breaks, uh, which it's less likely to break than say a cast core or a um, uh, or any of these shippable cores that that rely on expensive refractory materials um, that will break because they've got. Um, pressure points, expansion, contraction, crack points. Those are built into the fire brick. I like using fire brick because they're easily replaceable. They're easy to 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 work on with a tile saw, and uh, and they um, and they don't tend to break because they've already been shaped into pieces that expand and contract by themselves. Wrap that with uh, ceramic wool or ceramic fiberboard as insulation, and then we wrapped that inside of uh, sheet metal ducting. Uh, uh, just to give it a, a, a more um, contained uh, thing, because we can haul that around, move it around to clean yeah, it. Structural better. integrity. Structural integrity. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, we could have also just taken that core, and at some point there will be an experiment where we bury it in pea gravel, also. Yeah. To see or sand or sand to see whether that's sufficient insulation to keep the floor from burning or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now we wanted to. Keep as much in uh, much of the heat in as we possibly could, because these four inches don't produce that much heat, and yeah. and we need most of that heat to get that clean burn. I think the DuraBoard is pretty insulative. It's just not as insulative as the Dura Blanket. The Dura Blanket is about R2. The the, the ceramic board, the Dura Board, is about R1, which is still so much better than the uh, than the um, insulated fire brick, which is so much better than fire brick. Yeah. So. Which, by the way, you know, just as a summary for our discussion earlier about the orange fire brick, I think uh, we, we got to stop using it for where we've been using it. It's it's like uh, it's not doing what we hoped it would. It's it says insulative and and it's like not as insulative not as you want no. it to be. Like yeah. Matt Walker's uh, core is these splits of similar to what I've been doing um, is these these uh, fire brick dense fire brick. Uh, one and a quarter inch thick, um, protecting the duraboard, and uh, and the duraboard then is the insulative value that lets the rocket heater get hot enough to do its job. All right, we've got a, a few more notes here, but we're about out of time. I do want to just make one last thing, and that is that um, we have started making plans for a 2021 rocket mass heater jamboree. Woo! 
and and so we're making a list of the projects. We're making a list of our uh, having some openings for the possible innovations from the innovators. Uh, we need to start. So you, after you're done here, you're going to start contacting the innovators and trying to get them to actually reply to emails because, of course, they're very busy people and they tend to not reply to emails. <laughs> I, I've noticed that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so uh, we tried to set up an event. Uh, I think last year. Yeah. And uh, you wrote and like, who wants to be in? And, and it's like before and yeah it's like uh so this year we're going to make the event and it's kind of like if those guys don't reply then they don't they don't get to come people will come yes yes if you want to talk to kurt mobert you have to go up on the mountain you have to go find kurt mobert it's like sunray you just got to go find them if you want to talk to them that's true it's great fun but it's hard to organize stuff so yeah uh and and kurt does reply but he's got to like go into town to get internet and it's like uh crank up that hand-powered phone Stuff like that. Um, I've got here a whole bunch more stuff to talk about, but I think I think we're basically out of time. I did want to point out that uh, you, while on this trip, you did have ample huckleberries. Ample huckleberries. Yes, I'd heard about huckleberries and I've experienced huckleberry pie, but now I actually found a place where I could get huckleberries, which are better than huckleberry pie, Mm. because huckleberry pie they just put a lot of sugar in there so that they don't have to use as many huckleberries. Yeah, they're trying to get you to eat sugar instead of the huckleberries. Sugars instead of huckleberries. Yeah, and it's yeah. like it is, huckleberries are pretty this, amazing. This is well between huckleberries and hot springs. Okay. The, I, I come to Montana for those things. Yes. <laughs> yes. And apparently, you guys got more than your share of stars when God was organizing things. Does the sky seem bigger? It is definitely a bigger sky. Is that weird? It is I mean, they've sky. actually got a scientific thing about why it feels bigger in Montana than other places. I don't care. There's, it just does. Yeah, it just yeah. does. It just does. It's magical. Montana is magic. magical. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then you got to work with our boot camp crew. They were fantastic. Yes, yes. People have come here to learn stuff, and they just pitch right in and learn stuff. And I had them cutting stuff that they'd never cut before and and uh, and and uh, learning how to, uh, to drill things they'd never done before and and uh and they just jumped right in it was really great and when you arrived you told me something about like how um because i was kind of thinking like oh mud's not gonna be able to come out but um you know and then i thought if nothing else then your wife's gonna say like hell no <laughs> and, and instead you were telling me some things oh she's coming about with next time about wheaton labs wheaton labs is great fun and it's, i just I like to come out here and uh and and dive in I mean, uh, I I think I I do think that what we're doing here is, I mean, lots of experiments. Yeah, you, you, you mountains. Like, you like to say that the experiments have to happen because the only way anything will change, and um, uh, and that if uh, 98 out of 100 fail, you got to do a lot of experiments to get enough to succeed. So we just keep doing experiments. And and I think another thing is is that when the need for an experiment pops up because we've got a niche to fill, I do think we keep a pretty massive supply of tools and materials for these kinds of experiments. The, um, uh, the uh, appropriate technology jamboree. Uh, 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 now, P, the PBJ, the uh, the PDJ, the, the, the Permaculture Technology Jamboree. PTJ, the Permaculture Technology Jamboree, got canceled this year because of COVID. But uh, we're looking forward to doing it next year. Uh, Jim Juksak, who's a retired shop teacher, and I have been doing this, and Rodney, uh, who's a, uh, a mechanical and electrical genius, uh, have been coming out here for 
for three years doing this now with great fun uh, because there's this great lab here with all of the fun tools. Uh, so we, we have a shop class for people who've never got to take the shop class who want to be a homesteader but don't know which end of a screwdriver to use. <laughs> and uh, so we, we, had, we had Mary, this wonderful lady in her late 60s, uh, driving a 16-ton excavator. And she'd never even driven an, 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 uh, an ATV before. I mean, this edge, this, and, uh, and, and uh, teaching people how to use the grinder. Well, you've had a lot of people here that had mountains of all that experience. Right, right. And there, I mean, there were people that showed up here as part of the ATC in the yep, past. Yep. And they showed up, they had like 20 years of experience in your conventional shop and your conventional building and their conventional everything. So we put them on, all right, what are you going to do with it? So uh, a, a, a a skittable structure that you can build and insulate using local natural and discarded materials, uh, a system for water catchment and filtration and treatment of the water when you're done showering with it using plants. Uh, I think a big part of it is, is that for those guys with yeah. all the experience, they have... Because we have extreme standards here that, that to them, you know, it's, it's like I, they've never, it's challenging to them. They, this, is, this is a whole different way. So it's like basically there's a certain level of unlearning that has to happen. Like you're not building the code here. This, right, is, right. this is anti-code in a way. And, um, and, and we'll talk about why. And there's a lot of that. And so it's like for them, it's, it's, it is new experiences. Right, right. So what are we going to do without plywood? What are we going to do when we're not using epoxy? What are we going to do, do uh, so that we're not... Um, so in Jamaica, where I do mud building, people throw their bottles by the side of the road, plastic and, metal, and uh, glass, and when the pile gets big enough, they start it on fire. <laughs> and 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 it makes you ill. Yeah. This ah. this stuff. So so we uh, we taught them how to build windows out of the glass bottles, and then we uh, we were working on can we build a rocket heater clean enough that once we get it hot. We drop the plastic bottles in there. And oh boy! Yeah, I'm see, this is an argument. This is an argument. Okay, yeah, you're when, right. When there's no, and 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 these are experiments that have to be decided whether it's worth happening. If, if you're right, and they're setting the stuff on the side of the road on it's fire, nasty. Running it through yeah. something rockety is going to probably it's less awful, but it's, it's going to eliminate awful. probably ninety percent of the toxic gick. Yeah, maybe I'm going to say ninety nine percent. It's still, but there's still that little bit. Yeah, and it's like that little bit. It's like oh. What are we going to do? Yes, yes. But it's like they're, you know... And, and we want more people upset deeply by that. Yeah. And we want more people to think, can I do something different? Because if everybody does a little bit, it'll have a hell of a lot more use in the world than if some of us get crazy with it. So we, so we need these experiments to continue, and, uh, and we want to make it fun and, and useful, uh, and, uh, and Wheaton Labs is great for that. Last item, the bun warmer is now back online. The bun warmer is back online. I was so sad when, that, when the, uh, the berm shed had to be rebuilt, so my bun warmer, the outdoor rocket heater that goes into a curved barrel system to warm everybody's butts evenly, instantly, because yeah. it's just metal, 
and um, uh, so I was so disappointed when when it had to be retired, but then we were able to we saved it all. We rebuilt the te- we had the technology. We rebuilt <laughs> it. It was a six million dollar bun warmer. Yes, the and uh, and so uh, and it was a great opportunity. We had a, a few people who really really wanted to learn rocket heaters. We have a standard. Absolutely Gilligan-proof, um, eight-inch rocket heater running this thing, and so they had to rebuild it, and and they got the experience, and then we got to sit on have warm butts when it's cold outside. I think it. I think your butt begins to get warm in less than a minute, like oh, thirty really 30 quick. Seconds. It's really quick. Yes. And then and then it's like uh, you run it for a while, and it's like the maximum temperature it gets to is maybe a hundred, hundred and five. I mean, it's just it, hot tub temperatures. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And someday. Someday we'll do a sauna here, a rocket I, sauna. I, I think I built I one at my house. Josiah says he's doing it in October here. So All right. next month it's it's a it's a definitely happening thing. Yep. yep. And it's like because they use the they're planning on the sauna being the alternative to a shower up on the lab for now. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. So if you uh, check out uh, permies.com, the forums, uh, we're trying to get a lot of this up there yeah. so people can see it even if they can't come out here. A little plug for UncleMud.com uh, and my YouTube channel, Uncle Mud, uh, where I've been, and I've even got a Patreon for extended versions of things uh, if you want to support that. But there's so many cool things going on. And we have a BB20 event here, I think the third week of October this year. Um, and and that's a free event for for anybody who wants to come. So if you want to come to this event, it's free. Um, and uh, then you're going to be here probably the week before, the week after, probably the week before. We'll see what we can get together. It would okay. be nice to come out and, and so, get some more rockety stuff done before the winter. And that's and so the only people that will get to bask in the glow of Uncle Mud on this trip will be Boots in the boot camp. And the boot camp is currently full. So neener neener. Uh, there is a waiting list, and I suspect that before you get here, we will allow two more people into the boot camp, but that's going to depend on a lot of things, and we'll yeah. more information right. on that later. Unless we have some more wealthy patrons who who feel like they need to come up, we'll start that out yes. in the SEPR program. <laughs> All right, uh, if you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permies.com, where we talk about rocket mass heaters, homesteading, and permaculture all the time. I like. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.